I mean, we ought to think about the poor old Wellington Phoenix who not only are in New Zealand, um, but also <laughs> will do. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. It's International Week. No, wait, where are you going? Come back, please. This is going to be more exciting than a steak and kidney pie, a cup of coffee, a slice of cheesecake, a newsreel and a night out with Tyson Fury. Yep, that exciting. Here to talk about all of that is the returning hero, Paddy Higgs. Hello. Nico Durbin. Hey. And Andre Gonzalez. Hello. Before we let you loose on the international scene, let me holler at our listeners with a request. Could you please go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, and let us know what you think. If you do so, Theresa May said she will reconsider Brexit. <laughs> Not quite. Uh, also in the house, is, of course, is our uh, producer, Damien. Yeah, actually, Damo, good to see you again. It's only been a couple of days. Great to see you, Pat. Yeah, I uh, actually ran into Damo. I was down at a food market um, uh, in Kreuzberg over the weekend, and uh, my parents are visiting um, from Australia, and uh, both of them quite avid people watchers. And uh, and my dad was sort of sitting there, passing comment on the the fashion in Berlin at the moment, and and he's like, oh, it's quite a you know vivid. Uh, oh, quite a distinct fashion here in Berlin. He probably used a few more expletives than, than that as well. <laughs> and um, he goes, "Oh, look at look at this! Look at this guy! He's got his shirt hanging out the back of his jacket." <laughs> and he turns around; it was Damo. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was good to see him actually, because I had to remind Damo what day we were recording this week as well. So yeah, yeah. It, it worked out to be a, a nice little run in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm still a bit shaky after our time down in Munich with your parents. In October, yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're memorable. Yeah. Yeah, no, memorable. So it was fun. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, international football. One of the more interesting games of the coming days uh, is the Czech Republic's visit to Germany, and there's actually plenty to talk about here, Nico, isn't there? Yeah. Should we, should we start yeah. with Mario Gomez and then maybe move on to Leroy Sané? Yeah, sure. Um, so, well, I had something interesting to say about Gomez. <laughs> you had something interesting to yeah. say. Yeah, the DFB Twitter feed have said that he's pulled out with what is a gluteal injury. Stiff buttock. Yeah, basically translates as a sore arse, <laughs> right? So no Mario Gomez. Is that a big? Is that a big blow? Well, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Yogi Löw just said himself that we do not have a player like him, and you haven't heard Yogi Löw saying something like that um, before the previous tournament. Um, so I think Yogi Löw um, is aware of the fact that we missed a lot of chances and we need. Um, some strength inside inside the box. Um, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we don't have Mario Go, an, uh, Gomez with us. Yeah. It's an odd admission by Love to say that you don't have a striker like that, isn't it? I thought that was in. I think I read something in Die Welt about it. Yeah, just odd for him to say that. It it is odd for him to say that. But he also made clear that he looked at the stats and the last tournament, like every stat that he compared to um, the tournament that they won, um, Germany was better. They was better. They were better in the in the Euros in France. Um, the only stat they were not better in was the um, goals, basically, or or the efficiency uh, of chances and opportunities. There is, of course, no Sané um, who was busted down to the under twenty ones. Yeah. Now I read an interview with him on the DFB website, and he said he was happy enough about it all, but he must be pretty angry. Yeah, he must be angry. But it's a tough, like there's tough competition. Uh, on, on the position that he's playing. And I think um, 
we don't have issues on that on the wings or on the the creational like on the side um next to the center um there will be Julian Brandt there's um there's also Max Meyer there's Julian Draxler Thomas Müller um all those players um so i don't know the reasons but i mean I he can't he can't expect to be part of that squad when he's not playing for city you know yeah. uh, he's facing the same problems there there's some really talented players ahead of him and unless he's playing first team football for city then he can't yeah. be expecting to play for germany either do you think it was a bad move of his to go to city uh i think it's a bit early to tell um he should have known that this is this was Oh, you would have known that this is this had the potential to happen. Uh, Sterling's um, performed really well under Guardiola. They've got a couple of other attacking players like Silva, who has come into his own, you know, under Guardiola, somewhat surprisingly. Um, so, uh, as, I think they're also going to give uh, Zane a bit of time to to settle there, and I don't think there's any reason to panic. Um, but at the same time, he's got a lot of work for him um, ahead of him to uh, to find his place at City. Yeah, he didn't start for Schalke last season. Like you always talk about Sané uh, in a way <clears throat> as if he already played two or three seasons in the Bundesliga. He didn't, um, so he needs his time. He needs his time, yep. I think, and he'll adjust um, and and he'll play his minutes through okay. the season. So yeah. no Sané, no uh, Gomez. Who's going to take his place? Is it going to be Voland, Goethe? No, nah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Goethe, to be honest. Um, yeah, <laughs> you sound pretty, sad. Pretty sure. Well, I mean, okay, Goethe, Goethe's form is um, quite quite good. I think he's playing well for Dortmund, but he's playing at least compared to his form recently, that's for sure. Uh, of course, yeah. But but he's also playing a different position in Dortmund. He's playing his um, um, central midfield offensive, like playmaker position. More number 10, yeah, uh, yeah. number 10, um, because they obviously have Obama Young and others. Um, so yeah, we'll see, we'll see if he, he brings him. Um, no Mark Uth, no Alexander Meyer, no Timo Werner. They've each scored three league goals this season, but can't get a look in. Can somebody explain this to me? Oh, Meyer's never going to play for that national team. Um, he's been scoring goals for seasons now, and yeah. I think he's. If he had a window, it's it's certainly closed. Maya's also a bit of an individual character, and I think Louv probably ah. doesn't see uh, him as someone who can who can do that. Uh, Werner has. I mean, Nico watched a lot of him at Stuttgart. Werner is pretty hot and cold, but he's actually been quite good at the moment. I think Uth as well has got a bit to prove at Hoffenheim before yeah, he absolutely. gets that chance. Yeah. Absolutely, and Uth and Uth and Werner, they're both coming. They'll get their chances if they keep uh, playing and scoring. Um, but Löw, more than any other national coach that I'm aware of, he wants to have a squad that develops and develops. So he doesn't invite somebody just for one match because he scored three goals in the previous weeks and so on. Um, so and Werner, Werner played all the un, like all the the what is it called the under twenty one, under nineteen, just the, the youth system. Yeah, the youth. Yeah, the youth yeah. Werner, Werner played uh, throughout the whole youth uh, system of of Germany, so he'll get his chance as well. I'm sure that um, can be quite the motivating if you're a <clears throat> German player playing well in the league and you feel like you're not part of the plan because there's already kind of a semi squad for every um, match. Yeah, absolutely. Look at Gonzalo Castro. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's that's actually a player that I'm most upset about that he's not in the squad. Um instead we take Ilkay Gundogan who is obviously um 
very, very talented player, and he played really well his matches for, for Manchester City. Um, he's obviously beyond talented. But the point is, now they're in Hamburg, they have their first uh, training today, and he's missing because he's got a cold, right? And Gonzalo Castro is playing, I don't know how many uh, games really well on top of uh, on top of his form consecutively and he's out and all Louv gives him is yeah you're back in our you're back on our radar we were looking at you <laughs> mm -hmm. you might get a shot um, might get a shot Thomas yeah. Tuchel was certainly surprised that he got left out yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. uh Paddy one player you wanted to talk about was uh Joshua Kimmich yeah I mean obviously a pretty amazing start I think is it five goals in all competitions this season already um it's just going to be interesting where Louv looks at him as as a player for Germany. Um, I think he did a role at right back. It wasn't a faultless role at, at right back during the Euros, but he certainly did a job when they needed a job to be done. Um, I think he's got a, a bit of defensive um, maturing still to do, if that's what it, the, his future role is. But defensive midfield, I still think, is his best position. So it's going to be interesting to see um, where Löw employs him, if he does employ him, which I think he will. I think he's probably the leading youngster in that squad um, at the moment. And um, I'm just, yeah, very intrigued to see where, where Löw plays him. Uh, you've been talking about Joshua Kimmich recently at his position. I have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except it was on TV. It was on TV, yeah, yeah. You're now a famous TV star, Paddy. Uh, definitely not a famous TV star. So, yeah, definitely a, a voice for a podcast. No, I thought he looked good. Thanks. Yeah. He's a very, uh, I don't know what the rest do you think, but Paddy, and I've told him this on, on numerous occasions, without the aid of beer, he's a very photogenic man. Yeah, he looks good on camera. He looks yeah. good on camera. Absolutely. Videogenic in that case, would that be Video right? Videogenic. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Let's stop it. Let's <laughs> Please, talk about me more. Yeah. Did you have something you wanted to add about uh, Kimmich? Yeah. Well, just, just in general, if you look at the German central midfield, right, if you have... Kidira and Kroos and Weigel, Gundogan, Kimmich, and there's a Castro knocking at the door, it's going to be quite crowded. So yeah. maybe it's even um, in in Kimmich's favor that he already played the, the right side and the right back. And um, so I think that's where Yogi Liv will play him and where he'll find his spot in the German national team for the next years. Yeah, and just one final note on that. Though. I just, it would be a shame if a player of Kimmich's talent was just moved around a lot. You know, it's, it's a bit of a curse when you can play in several different positions. And uh, I still think if that's his best position, then great. But it'd be nice to him to find a position for Germany, I think. A bit like John O'Shea. <laughs> exactly, the, the German O'Shea. <laughs> uh, before we let this go, do you remember the 96 Euro finals? I do. Do you remember the score? It was 2 1. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Do you remember who scored? Oliver Bierhoff. Bierhoff. Yeah. Scored the golden goal. He scored yeah. the golden goal, but he also scored the first goal. I heard yeah. a great story about this. Would you like to hear it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Birdie Votes was on holidays with Mrs. Votes um, in a gondola in Venice. For all the German listeners, he's talking about Bertie Vogts. <laughs> <laughs> the, very, the very same. Okay. So, then anyway, they were on a holiday in Venice in a gondola. And uh, Bertie was thinking out loud, oh, who am I going to take for my fourth striker? I just can't decide who's it going to be. And his wife, surely losing patience with Bertie going on about this a lot, said, take Oliver Bierhoff, he will repay you. Huh. Well, 
Go, Mrs. Votes. Yeah. Hey. Pick the one with the good hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually made uh, shampoo commercials after after that goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a bit like Joe Hart. Yeah, Joe Hart's not making too many shampoo commercials these days. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't get Italian TV, so yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's no way he's competing with Italian hair. No. <laughs> um, Germany, of course, World Cup holders, but they might have a lot more competition to deal with uh, next time around if Gianni Infantino has anything to do with it. Um, now, during his election, Infantino had this crazy promise to expand the competition to 40 teams. However, he's gone even further recently and suggested that the tournament could feature 48 teams, 16 of which would go home after one match. Let me let me break it down for you if that all sounds very complicated. A preliminary it would involve a preliminary knockout round with 32 teams playing in the host country with 16 winners reaching the group stages and another 16 seeded teams would getting a bye. For me for me it's kind of an extended qualifiers, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's, it's like weird. And late, then late qualifier, late yeah. qualifiers, and then it's a hybrid. I mean, his his motivation is is clear, right? It's political. Mm-hmm. He gets more votes for him because more countries yeah. mm-hmm. uh, will go to to the big stage, and he mm-hmm. gets more money because more matches are shown on TV. It's a it's an easy equation, but. I will say I prefer the, the 48 team plan better than the 40 team plan. We saw with the Euros that sort of half and half thing didn't really work with the third placed teams and whatnot. But both plans are still on the shit end of the scale, aren't they? Like it's it's really going to dilute the quality even more than, you know, uh, the World Cup can in, in the early stages. The only argument I can find that this is a good idea is that it allows smaller nations to get more of a shot at getting to the big time. Yeah. Um. And you saw at the Euros, okay, the quality wasn't as good, but many of the dramatic moments and the best moments from the expanded Euros came from the smaller from the smaller nations that might not necessarily have qualified the last time around. So while I think there is a lot of political capital to be gained from Infantino in doing this, I also think that, yeah, maybe he has a point because it's a very Europe-centric, South America-centric World Cup. It's it's weighed in favor of those two continents. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I actually, I agree to Petty, whereas um, I really like to see 32 teams in the group stages and I don't want to see 40 yeah. and changing the system and who gets into the next round and all that. Yeah. And and also Yogi Löw again talking about him. That's what he said. Like he he's afraid that the quality uh, diminishes more and more and more. Um, so yes, you're saying it's a compromise, but then again, don't overcomplicate things. Like we saw what happened to the Formula One when they started changing the rules year and year and year and year. Just stick to a system that works and play it that way. I also think there's going to be, it's a major tournament, it's only every four years, there's going to be enough drama whether an Iceland or an Iceland-type team is there or not, but having this diluted quality thing we saw overall, the quality of the Euros was hugely disappointing, and I'd hate that to be the same for a World Cup. Where do you stand on this, Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the quality is not, it's not good enough at the moment, I think. So with 48 teams, so with 40, it would be even worse. And uh, it would be a major buzzkill for the teams that qualify to the late late qualify and then one match and they are they're completely out of uh, of the competition so imagine all the boost that the country has because it's not only about football it's a social thing and then one match yeah you're out just just doesn't make any sense it creates huge sponsorship problems as yeah. well you know um 
teams, countries get uh, some big money for these sponsorship teams when they go to World Cups because they're guaranteed three games. And if uh, you get uh, yeah, get a team who um, perhaps only makes it to that first round, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of money missed, even if you know. At least we can, we might say at least that the Netherlands might make this next major tournament. If that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Infrastructure problems too. They are, Presumably, if you have 48 teams, you require more stadiums, and therefore hosting the World Cup becomes more expensive. Yeah. Maybe not. No, not you just need to start a bit early, yeah. Yeah, yeah but that actually could be the, the, the problem, you know, starting early. Yeah. Recently, yeah. You, yeah. you saw when the stadiums were, were ready to be played <laughs> yeah. and so on. So yeah. maybe they don't make it until yeah. they start. It would be uh, a major concern for security reasons. Yeah. Not to mention the domestic leagues around it. It's hard enough to wedge these major tournaments in between seasons as it is. Yeah. Add another two weeks or a week and a half onto these tournaments and it starts to get a bit crazy. Okay, so a resounding no from the one football <laughs> potters. Um, getting back to the football at hand, the maybe the only really mouth-watering game this week is the Italy versus Spain in Turin match. Andre, noted Italian hardman Leonardo Benucci, was quivering in his boots the other day when asked about Spain, saying they're the obvious favourites for the match. They have the world's best players in every department, he said. Is he right? He's not really, is he? It's also a bit of a mind game, uh, Ah. I would say. Um, Spain are good, we all know that, and they have a lot of options in every single position. He's right on that. But uh, both national teams, both Spain and Italy, they're... uh, trying something new there they're building up a new project so saying there that there's a, a massive favorite for this match i don't buy it i no. really don't buy it no considering that spain played against Liechtenstein uh, the previous match and they completely thrashed the poor guys 8-0 i need to see more spain more matches uh, under lopetegui's one but for now, I really think that Italy and Spain they are quite similar in so many uh, positions. Um, despite of the overall quality of Spain, if you look player, if you analyze player by player, of course Spain is better than uh, than than Italy at the moment. But I didn't see that in the in the Euros, honestly. Though everyone was saying that Italy would have probably the worst team ever. And they did pretty well. Mm. And uh, Germany had serious problems with Italy, right? Yeah, not just Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice to see under Herrera in the um, in the Spain squad. Yeah, I would say that it would be natural for him to be there, uh, considering his history uh, in the youth system in Spain. Uh, I would expect him to be there in a normal situation, but, um, but it's, his, it's his first time. Yeah, he's, mm. he's probably uh, debuting and um, it's weird. Honestly, I think it's weird because the, the Herrera that we saw in um, at Atletique, uh, I would expect him to be in the Sp- Spanish national team every single time. Mm-hmm. And his move to, uh, to Man United, I don't think it was really clever at the time. Um, Andre, do you think that's like if he'd say, do you think that's a result of him going to the Premier League as a competition or the wrong team in the Premier League? For example, if he'd gone to maybe an Arsenal, or yeah, something, a bit you know? of both. Yeah, I think he would adjust perfectly to Arsenal, for yeah. instance. 
Man United, not not the perfect. Under Van Gaal, uh, not the perfect team fame for sure. No, he was. Uh, there was a nice little story about him getting called up to the squad. Uh, he was on holidays with his family in Madrid. <laughs> Uh, got the late call up to the squad turned up without any boots or anything like that and had to go out and buy a pair to just train it'd be a guaranteed holiday for him up until this point wouldn't he yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh where yeah. are we going this international break <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is odd is Isco and Nacho are in there yeah um, I know you've got to be in your bonnet about this one I, I have problems with players getting called up without playing very often uh, with their teams uh, but Lopetegui apparently doesn't. And he said that clearly in a press conference. He said, uh, I, tr- I have uh, my trust in certain players. If they can bring something to the team that we don't have at the moment, I don't care if they're not playing. It's a dangerous precedent, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yep. And uh, and that's why we have Isco and Nacho with the Spanish national team. Who've done nothing all season. Yeah. Isco uh, had a very interesting interview uh, with Marca. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and he said that uh, I'm not playing very often. It's not my fault. Uh, it's not my. It's not uh, the manager's fault. It's probably my fault because uh, I wasn't playing with uh, Ancelotti. I, I'm not playing with Zidane. Maybe I am the problem. If I cannot make it in Madrid, I'll probably go away next season, try something new. Wow. Yeah, he said clearly that. I rarely hear a footballer be so candid about these sort of things. I think he's a. Uh, Bright player, Isco is not is not dumb, so he knows that probably is the problem at the moment. But he's still in the national team, so he's probably happy about it. Yeah, that's true. He's probably had better form in the nightclub than on the pitch, anyway. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of of, of stories about uh, Isco um, being a bit. Uh, it it was a party animal when he was at Valencia in the oh, yeah? in the academy, yeah. And uh, with with Malaga, things change a little bit, and then the reputation come again. Yeah, come I think again. him and James have their fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I would have thought he'd be more of a party animal in Malaga than in Valencia. As nice as Valencia is, I don't know if it's a crazy place we're going at. Whereas Malaga, plenty yeah. to do. It was probably something related to his. Uh, uh, tenderly age when he was in the ah, academy. Okay, okay. I would assume so. So, a couple of um, selection choices for Italy as well, because there's no Chiellini. So that's generally yeah, it's, a big it's blow. He's suspended, so yeah. he's not going to play um, because he's uh, suspended. Um, I, w- I, I was reading yesterday, we were talking about that, mm-hmm. and apparently, uh, the Italian media, they're saying that. Romagnoli might yeah. start, which is really weird because uh, it was injured for the last two weeks. Um, they are still not sure if he's fit, and he's going to be his first um, cap for the, the the national team. He's very against good against Spain. Um, he's very good. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no doubts uh, concerning that, but it's kind of weird that you you're just picking the man with the injury, probably not fit enough. To, to debut against a team like Spain, I would probably bet on Ogbona to, to play, honestly. That would be your choice? That would be my choice, yeah. What would be your choice up front? Because there's no Balotelli. <laughs> there's no Balotelli, yeah. I'm starting a one-man campaign to yeah. get Balotelli <laughs> as the Ballon d'Or winner and back in the Italy squad. Oh, uh, Ventura said that um, I'm keeping track of him and he's doing the right thing. So if he uh, continues like this, um, probably call him next time. 
So it, it, it's being like a father to him, like uh, do the right thing, behave like a normal human being, mm-hmm. and then maybe get sent off soon after scoring again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Although I think the referee did admit that he made a mistake on that one. Yeah, I know, but he's, yeah, it's still Even still Bellatelli, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I think uh, Pele is uh, starting, mm-hmm. despite being in China. That's amazing. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe ever. Gets the blood pumping, doesn't it? Graziano Pelé and Edda up front. <laughs> wow. Um, a quick prediction from you then, Andre? Uh, I think they're going to draw. Okay. With goals. With goals. We like. did, I did describe that as mouth-watering. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit less so now. You can have a great match with a draw. Don't forget about it. Okay. I've yet to be convinced of that. Paddy... Your Australian boys are in action too. They against, are. Against the mighty Saudi Arabia. Who are second in the group. Let's not uh, talk them down too much. Ahead of Japan at the moment. Um, so they, Where are Australia? They, uh, top of the group. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, top okay. of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that game's tonight. Um, by the time, if things go well for Australia, by the time Australia played Japan on Tuesday, which is definitely a... a a, you know, a, a local rivalry, if you will, in, mm-hmm. in that confederation. Um, if Australia get a, a good result against um, Japan, their, their World Cup might already be just about confirmed, which is very pleasing four games into a 10-game um, Jeez, that campaign. was quick. Yeah, um, but, it, I mean, it, the gaps do open up pretty quickly in the in the Asian Federation. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a big week end for Australian football because, um, like the other great footballing frontier the US we don't actually recognise the international breaks um, mm-hmm. for our league and the, the A-League actually <laughs> starts this weekend um, and uh, one of the biggest signings uh, to come back to the league Tim Cahill uh, not back to the league to come to the league Tim Cahill uh, unfortunately won't be there for the first game of the season which is a, a bit oh, of no. a yeah well he'll obviously be on international duty so um, yeah so it's uh, it's a little bit of a it's a big weekend for Australian football but it could be a bit better you would think if the timing or the, the decisions were better. I mean, we ought to think about the poor old Wellington Phoenix who not only are in New Zealand, um, but also <laughs> will do <laughs> will do without, I think, up to sort of uh, six players, I think, yeah, um, f- probably the majority of which would start for them um, in the league and they're going to be without, you know, in a small squad. That's a that's a big, uh, that's a big uh, loss. So, uh, anyway, it's all happening down in the southern hemisphere Ooh, this week. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't they sync up the calendars? Uh, it's it's uh, too hot sporting, to play. No, no, no. The sporting. It's eleven degrees in Melbourne today, so it's certainly not too. No, hot. I mean, like, would it, if they synced it up with the normal calendars, would the weather then be? Too hot because they'd be playing during the Australian summer. It's more uh, because of the the, the busy um, sporting you know um, environment down there, the landscape. Um, the, the football has to, as a sort of second tier sport, you would say, behind the rugby's and the footies and stuff and cricket. Um, it has to find its own little niche, and, and too much of an overlap means it will affect the crowds and affect the the television um, views as well. So. They, uh, they haven't got a lot of time to play with, and that's why this sort of happens. But um, it is unfortunate that at times with the opening round of the season as well. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. The Sam Allardyce era is over and the Garth Southgate one has begun. Here to talk about Southgate's first two games in charge and all of that is Jamie Wilkinson from Chelsea News. It's largely by the by now, Jamie, but were you on Team Sam or Team FA? Um begin with, I don't necessarily agree with the, the methods in which Allardyce was brought down. I think the whole dangling carrots and then hanging him out to dry when he bites isn't 
it's not morally uh, sound, but it's, it was definitely a public interest to oust him. So I'm I'm team FA on this one. Oh, okay, yeah, very very much so. Um, since then, there's been a whole host of comments. One of which came from um, from Danny Rose, who was speaking on Wednesday, and he said, um, "I saw Alan Shearer say English football has become a laughing stock, and it's hard to say, but I agree." Uh, are you on his side as well? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to hear that from an actual member of the, the national team. But to be honest with you, I, I don't think there's any way he could dispute it, especially after the, the failure in the Euros and to, to appoint a new manager only for him to leave in these circumstances after one game. Um, yeah, we are a laughing stock. Uh, what do you feel then are the, the, the biggest problems then facing the, facing the new manager, whoever that may be? I think the main issue will be phasing out those who no longer have anything to offer to the national team. Um, you look at players like Wayne Rooney and arguably Gary Cahill um, and kind of drafting in the new generation. And I think Gareth Southgate could well be the man because obviously he knows the under-21 squad well. Uh, he knows their strengths, their weaknesses. So perhaps he could be the one to, to bridge the gap between the, the new generation and the current national team. Jamie, interested that you mentioned Cahill there. Obviously, you know, you, you write for the for the Chelsea uh, for Chelsea News. Um, you seriously think that he's not one that could be uh, or should be involved in England squads under the the new man, whether that be Southgate or somebody else? No, um, I, I think it's a sorry state of affairs when Gary Cahill is one of your best centre backs. Um, unfortunately, that that's the case not just for England but for Chelsea as well. Uh, I think this this season he's been absolutely dreadful. He, he's directly costing us games now, which is where it becomes an issue. Obviously, Terry and Zuma are out injured for us. But for, um, for England, I mean, he, he's, one of, uh, f- he's one of five centre-backs in the current squad, as well as Eric Dyer, who can also play there. Um, so I don't think there's any justification for him to be getting minutes in the, the national team. Where, where has it gone wrong for Cahill? Is it confidence? Is it just pace? I don't think it's necessarily a matter of what went wrong. I think it was um, it was something that was always there. Cahill has always been a limited defender. Um, he's played in some really good defences next to John Terry um, with like Ivanovic or Azbilicueta either side of him. And I, I think that has reflected well on him. Um, but I think we could, as Chelsea fans, see from day one, he had his limitations. He's a good squad player, but he shouldn't be any more than that. Okay. I mean, I know it's only um, it's only Malta and Slovenia teams you would expect England to beat, but um, how would you like to like to see them line up? I'm I'm guessing without Wayne Rooney. Yes, without Wayne Rooney. Um, but I, I wouldn't. I, I don't expect that to happen. I mean, Gareth Southgate. He's got four four games really to prove himself, and I, I think he will play safe. I don't think he'll experiment a lot. Um, but I would definitely like to see Wayne Rooney left out. Um, I think Mikel Antonio really deserves a shot. I think he's been brilliant this season. Um, and in terms of centre-backs, John Stones, Chris Smalling definitely looks like our, our, our best partnership. Um, but other than that, I, I would like to see some exper- experimenting from Southgate. But ultimately, I don't think it will happen. He's playing for the job after all. Jamie, it sounds like you sort of see this as a real sort of fresh dawn or it should be a fresh dawn for England. Is that sort of something that you think, uh, I guess, a lot of fi- England fans are sort of seeing this as? And whether that, again, be, be that Southgate or somebody else, a chance to sort of maybe just change the culture, change the setup um, to something completely fresh, bring some new players in. You mentioned Antonio, maybe some others as well. Do you see this as a real chance for England to start afresh? I do. Um, I, I don't know if it's wishful thinking or I actually think it's going to happen. 
Um, but I think after the failure in the Euros and the constant failure after over the years, I really do think we need to trust this um, upcoming group of young players that we have uh, to perform for the national team, not just obviously today, tomorrow, but on a long-term basis. Um, I, I think they need to bed in together. They need to learn how to play for each other. And I think if we're ever going to have a proper shot at winning a competition, it really is the time to phase out those who no longer have anything to offer and bring in those who are keen, who are eager to play for their country and ultimately may well have a higher ceiling than some of the players we have in the current squad. Uh, of those guys, you, again, you mentioned Antonio before, who is not in the squad that you would perhaps consider as, as that, that, that next generation, the guys who should perhaps get their chances in coming squads? So um, one player that I, I've, I've spoken about um, in the last few days is Adam Smith uh, from Bournemouth. Um, I, I think he, he's not a youngster. He's 25 now, but he, he played for England from under-16s to under-21s, uh, but he's uncapped at senior level. Um, I think he's been he's barely put a foot wrong for Bournemouth this season. And for us to call up Glenn Johnson and then someone who isn't a natural right-back ahead of him sort of highlights the issue that we're having with the England national team at the moment. Um, it's definitely picking players on merit over picking those who genuinely could have something to offer to us in the future. Um, I think, being a Chelsea fan, Nathaniel Chalabar is a player who definitely has the right skill set to fit into that team. I don't think we have any players like him. Um, the only natural holding player we have, perhaps, is Eric Dyer. Uh, I think Chalabar, if he gets more minutes under Antonio Conte or if he goes on loan, he will perform. And he's a good example of a player that's there, ready to represent his country, but just hasn't been given the opportunity yet. That was Jamie Wilkinson from Chelsea News. Glenn Johnson, eh? <laughs> Where do you even start with that? He's part of the worst defence in the league at the moment. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? He's, uh, I think Glenn Johnson is a, is a, was a fine player, um, mm-hmm. but he's, his days at international level are surely over. And Jamie made some good points. I think this is a good chance for whoever that new coach is to start afresh. And you would, you with all due respect to Glenn Johnson, he's probably not part of that. No, I personally don't think they will start afresh. There's nothing to suggest it from the FA's behaviour that they will do what they need to do. And it's something akin to what Germany did, and maybe Nico could would know more about that, what Germany did in the post-Euro 96 era and how they went back and re-looked at everything and re-examined everything and invested money heavily in youth projects, brought about a philosophy, brought about a style... That's what the FA need to do. I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they have a project. They've they've no project. They've no control yeah. over the Premier League clubs whatsoever. They may as they, I mean they just do whatever the hell they want. And the result is crappy World Cup after crappy World Cup. Yeah, I mean they had their chance when when Guardiola held some interest in the role, you know, a few years ago and that would have changed things. And now appointing Southgate from in from within, basically, it's not going to change that too much. A man who didn't want the job. Exactly, yeah. yeah. This is astounding. I'd forgotten about this. I'm glad you mentioned it. Mm. Pep Guardiola showed interest in the Premier in the <laughs> England manager job and the lads went, Ah no, you're all right. We've got uh, Yeah, but Guardiola we've, also we've got this said Roy Hodgson lad. They would would like to uh, manage Brazil also. I think oh, okay. it's the kind of thing that you that you, you say on a interview and People get the soundbite. I'm not seeing Guardiola leaving club management for national team at the moment. He's never said he wanted to manage Derry City. 
you're sad about that. I'm very sad about yeah. that. If Guardiola, as reported, did reach out to England and say, I'm interested in talking to you about the, the vacant role, and England did not, as reported, engage with Guardiola, didn't... <laughs> sorry, I can't even describe how silly that would be. Yeah. <laughs> goes beyond farce look where they are yeah is what I would say but if if I were English I would not hold out much hope for the for the national team Jamie didn't seem to either (laughs) very very blunt and up front (laughs) okay that's all from us today my thanks to Nico Paddy Andre and Jamie from Chelsea News as well as our producer Damien if you've anything to say about this week's show or would like to get in touch you can hit us up on Twitter on Facebook on Facebook and Facebook at OneFootball thanks for listening (laughs) 